I took the baby from the car seat and I held her to my heart. I felt so happy. I got tears in my eyes. Dear Pari, you just heard your grandmother talk about the first time she saw you. We had just reached her house from the airport. She was waiting outside the house at the gate with Aarati to welcome us. She then picked you up from the car seat and at that moment I was transported back to my childhood as I was reminded of my own grandma's love and warmth. gave us this toothless grin the signature pari smile we still have that photo you in a cute orange dress and a smile that goes up to the eyes that was the second time when we fell in love with you and all our fears and apprehensions of bonding with you just vanished that day we went shopping for you as your dad's parent had organized a naming ceremony for you and my parents a cradle ceremony Ceremonies which are usually arranged with a gap of few months were arranged with a gap of a day for you. For your naming ceremony, the room was decorated with ribbons and balloons. You slept through it all in Amma's lap while we both performed the rituals. You were very tiny, light and felt fragile. I couldn't stop smiling through the ceremony. I was a dad. You were my daughter. Our angel. Our pari. The next day was your cradle ceremony. It was also my dad's 60th birthday and we had planned a party much in advance. With you coming into our lives, my mother decided to transform the party into a cradle ceremony too. So imagine the surprise for some of the guests who walked in thinking it was a 60th birthday and saw a cradle decorated with marigolds and with a baby in it. It was quite funny. the surprise and shock on some of our relatives faces we will never forget and they all had so many questions but that day we were just so happy from the acceptance we received from our closest family and friends that we just set aside all these questions and doubts soon a day would come when you will have a lot of questions about your birth story where did i come from amma stammy how did i get here Who is my tummy mummy? We will try to answer as many of those questions as we can. However, we know that at some point you may face with cruel questions in a school or in a park when you are playing. And we always wonder if we should protect you from this other truth. The truth that not everyone is and will be so accepting and open to forming a family without a genetic connection. Or do we just show you rainbows and blue blue skies? Welcome to Dear Pari, a groundbreaking podcast series presenting facts, bursting myths and tackling stigma around adoption. It will bring to you varied viewpoints from adoptees, parents, adoption experts and government officials. This podcast is being brought to you by Suno India, a podcast platform for issues that matter.
know Sneha and Gaurav's story from last episode about the stigma they faced from peers and family? That is just the tip of the iceberg. The pressure of conforming to societal norms is so intense that parents choose not to inform anyone about the arrival of the child. This episode will explore the silent and yet loud stigma about adoption. Many adoptive families choose to not share openly about their decision to adopt because this choice continues to remain an undesirable one in the society. It is construed as an open admission to fertility and in turn people stigmatize infertile couples. Prospective adoptive parents also discriminate against children who are waiting to be adopted. And we came really close to this reality when we went to adopt our daughter. At the adoption home was another cute baby, let's call her Devi. She was a little older than our daughter and we saw the most adorable bright eyes and a smile that could just light up the room. Devi's prospective parents had travelled over 36 hours from Kerala to reach the adoption home. We remember being there when she was brought out to be introduced to them. We were excited that Devi was going to go to her forever home too. But then they turned her down. The parents said that she was not as fair as she looked in the picture. They told us that it would be difficult for them to integrate the child into their community. And so they chose to reject the child despite having waited for months to get that referral. It was just heartbreaking for us that moment and one that made us intensely angry. We even thought for a second if we could adopt both the children. But that was not the right way to do things. At the adoption home, the in-charge told us that this was not an uncommon occurrence and many a time children have been rejected for their appearance and also because they didn't seem to belong to a certain caste. Devi was again rejected a few months later on similar grounds. A year later, when we had a follow-up meeting with the in-charge, he told us Devi had found a wonderful family in the US. Ironical, isn't it? That a child had to find a home outside the country even as thousands of parents wait for their referral? At what point in our cultural landscape did adoption become a taboo? For as long as I remember, Indian families had many instances of intra-family adoptions. I know of multiple instances in my family going back to my grandparents' generation that children were adopted or raised by those couples who didn't have children. Fast forward a few decades and here we are in 2018. Families move homes to hide this from neighbours and many others are unsure about how to even present this to their peers. And no, we are not exaggerating. They do happen. And then of course, the constant taunts and bullying that adoptees face. Just before we were going to bring Pari home, we informed our neighbours who were also the owners of the apartment we were living in. I remember them being very ecstatic about it and auntie giving us sweets to celebrate. I was genuinely touched and amazed with that reaction. Of course, not everyone reacted the same way. I remember a family member also asking if we knew the cast of the child. Varsha Swami is an adoptee and an adoption counsellor currently based in the US. She provides pre- and post-adoption counselling to both parents and children. We spoke to Varsha about the stigmas that families face. 
Um, a huge reason that this stigma even comes up is from a lack of awareness that people who have no idea about the adoption community, or what adoption is, um, and what goes on in adoptive families, because of a lack of information and awareness, there's also a lack of sensitivity. And from that comes some of these questions that you're just like, what are you asking? Do you not recognize that somebody can be hurt by these questions? Just like any other situation apart from just adoption where a stigma exists around it and there's lack of information, one of the best things that we can do is to use our passion from where our emotions you know, usually get hurt. What happens is as a society, when we get hurt, we shut down. When we shut down, there's less information that comes out because if you shut, if you're shutting down, the person who has brought out that insensitive comment still doesn't know any better the next day. And so they're going to ask another adoptive family even more, you know, insulting questions. So what I have learned um, and what I talk to about on a personal or a professional level is to definitely deal with whatever pain you might be experiencing, but to allow that pain to power the ability for you to answer somebody's questions. We can use the tactic, I might agree to disagree with you. And if you're willing to listen to me, I'm going to provide you with more information. Varsha also talked about the importance of learning and teaching others about positive adoption language. She said that the use of words impacts how adoptees view themselves. She says it's equally important for parents to not stigmatize themselves. I think adoption language is one of the foremost things that parents need to learn and educate themselves about, be it parents who are planning to adopt or parents who have already adopted. Because the use of words, especially um, certain terms like using my own child or the real child or a normal child can go a very long way in affecting how an adoptee takes in those words. If an adoptee hears a biological child being referred to as these, certain questions can be planted in the adoptee's mind as to, does that make me not your own child? Does that make me not a real child? Does that make me an abnormal child? What does that make me? And such questions can definitely impact the mind of the child when they are trying to grow up and be it identity formation, be it forming these secure attachments, be it any relationship that they build from that point forward, their confidence might take a hit, their self-esteem might take a hit. Um, and it all could be just from the use of very simple language that could, you know, either make or break a situation. I think it's very important to remember not to use words like, oh, you're, you're so lucky that you were adopted. Um, to make them feel like you need to be forever indebted, you need to be forever grateful. Because growing up with this can definitely impact the way you feel about yourself, the way you feel about your relationship. Um, with either your parents or with anybody. Um, so it's very important to for parents to learn this language and to share it as far and wide as possible. Even, um, you know, maybe the entire family and extended family have been educated, but the uh, adoptive child might be having problems because the teachers at school are not educated and they seem to be making comments about adoption that is affecting the way the child feels about themselves. 
So adoption language is very, very important. A lot of times when I talk to people about my personal life or when I talk to other adoptive families in my professional career, I find that most of the time people keep quiet. So if I if I tell a group that, hey, I'm adopted, everybody goes quiet. It's an awkward 10 seconds. And then one person might ask one question here. And I might be the most secure, most casual person ready to talk about it. But the reason that they are so unsure of what to say and they become uncomfortable is because of the stigma that exists. So I think rather than telling people not to ask adoptees any questions as a rule of thumb or as an overall aspect is to recognize that everybody has a different adoption story. Some might not experience trauma whatsoever. Some might experience moderate levels and some might be so severe that they're not ready to talk about it whatsoever. So I think overall, probably what we can ask society to do as a whole is to ask the individual, hey, I've got a couple of questions. Are you comfortable to talk about it? Or I was wondering this, and if you're not comfortable, let me know. Um, and to open those channels of communication, because if anybody approached me personally, I would be able to answer anything that you wanted to, even about maybe a breakup or just something very personal that the next person might not be able to talk about. So I think in order to open communication channels and overcome stigma, talk to them, find out what they're comfortable talking about, but, but be sensitive about it. And if you want to talk to somebody from the adoption community to at least educate yourself on maybe not the full-blown thing, but at least some level of what adoption language is so that your question at least comes across in a sensitive manner. We asked Varsha if she was ever bullied or made fun of because she was adopted. She told us that she was so comfortable with the knowledge of being adopted as it was not a topic that was hushed away at our home and was an open topic that she didn't realize how her peers perceived adoption. Because adoption was a very open topic in my household from a very young age, there wasn't a time when I was sat at a dinner table going, oh, by the way, you were adopted, etc., etc., where it was a big, that the reveal to me was not traumatic whatsoever. So as I grew older, more information was brought in in an age-appropriate way. So probably the earliest ones would have been I was brought in by a stork, and then later it would be that you have a topama or a... Uh, stomach amma and then you have um, you know me who is your mom or me who is your dad and so I would always recognize that there were two different sets of parents versus just one when I was eight what happened was there was a girl who suddenly caught me off guard and said why are you walking around talking about adoption like it's the best thing and that you're so special and so happy uh, do you even know what adoption really means and I was like what and she said, it just means that your parents didn't want you and they threw you in a dustbin. What are you so happy about that for? And I remember just staring at her and I went home and just burst out crying to my mom, not knowing, you know, what's happening. Um, and my mom and I, my dad also was roped in because we used to have like family meetings. We could always, you know, talk amongst ourselves. And they would explain to me that, uh, you know, there are people out there who might not understand or who might think it's okay to make these comments and that just because adoption is a part of your, a part of you in your life, 
just like how maybe our religion is, our ethnicity, our you know background and our personal information. I think it was the first time when I was eight years old that my parents taught me the concept of filtering. So she said, you don't necessarily have to walk around with a, like a label on your forehead saying I'm adopted, but I could, be, I could use it and talk about it as and when I wanted to with the people that I wanted to, my close people or my, the people that I trust, the people that I love, and not necessarily walk around with a label on my forehead. Nor does it mean that it's a secret or that I should be ashamed of it in any form or way. So it was sort of this balance that they taught me at that point, and they helped me deal with the fact that there are some people out there who, because they don't understand it really well, um, decide to, you know, make pretty hurtful comments uh, about it. But that that incident was definitely a moment that I think I will never forget because it was a turning point in how I viewed it. Because till then, everything was special and rainbowy and magical, and I think it was the first time somebody like burst the bubble on on that happy moment. So I think the one thing that I want to just end with is by saying that adoption isn't the plague, nor is it a bed of roses. It is a very complex issue. Um, and I think the key to handling these complexities lies in awareness and sensitivity. Papa, I'm adopted. Yeah. नहीं बेटा कोई दरवाजे पर छोड़ के गया था अरे रोहन बेटा कैसी बात कर रहा है ऐसा कुछ भी नहीं है चला जा जरूर मंदिर से लेके आए हो है ना अरे नहीं यार ऐसी कोई बात नहीं है तू आज चला जा तो फिर मुझे हेलमेट क्यों नहीं बनाते मेरी फिक्र नहीं है क्या बाइक चलाते वक्त हम अपनों का ख्याल कैसे भूल सकते हैं इस रोड सेफ्टी वीक डू द डिफिकल्ट अपने साथ साथ अपनों की सेफ्टी का भी ख्याल रखें उन्हें भी हेलमेट पहना है अब मैं आपका बेटा। <laughs> एक भी तकलीफ नहीं है मुझे कभी रोटी को नहीं तरसा दर दर की ठोकर नहीं खाई माँ बाप भी अब तक जिंदा है मेरे ना बचपन में ज्यादा पिटा ना मुलेस्ट किया किसी ने अडॉप्टेड भी नहीं हूं मैं दे से प्लीज देना यार क्यों किसी तेरा तेरा ऑब्वियसली मैं बड़ा हूं एंड यू आर अडॉप्टेड यू नो दैट राइट वर यू वंडरिंग व्हाट दैट वाज ऑल अबाउट यू जस्ट हर्ड थ्री पार्ट्स ऑफ आवर डेली लाइफ एडवर्टाइजमेंट्स movies and online entertainment insensitive language and adoption is so common that not many seem to even realize how they continue to strengthen stereotypes that an adopted child will always be different from biological child will be loved less and has to remain in eternal gratitude towards their parents that such content can pass through multiple levels of review only shows how deep rooted our ignorance and prejudice against adoption is Avinash Kumar heads Families of Joy Foundation a non-profit based in Delhi. This organization brings all stakeholders on adoption on a single platform, offers resources and services in adoption including counseling across major metros in India. He was until recently a member of Kara steering committee. 
We spoke to Avinash about the impact of mass media in shaping and conditioning the stereotypes around adoption and how this in turn impacts the parents and their choices. So I started watching some of the very popular movies right from the 50s and 60s as recent as something in the 2000s. And you'll be shocked to see one there is no positive adoption language. You come across this is an adopted child, the real mother left it, they abandoned it. It's full of those phrases which is pathetic. So that is one. Secondly, nobody ever shows or highlights the legal process around adoption. What they always tend to show is oversimplify the process as if one it is a favor to somebody and secondly it is as if you just go out you get a child and you bring it into the home then there is never ever a focus on telling the child about adoption. So so the mindset of the community is one adoption is a remedy or a last resort. for somebody trying to build their family it should typically happen after we have exhausted of all other options but the most uh, surprising ones is even in 21st century there is a film called rockstar and in the film called rockstar the protagonist says uh, that you know i don't have a, i have realized somebody told me that unless you have pain in life you cannot succeed as an artist what do i do i have no pain uh, i had a good childhood i didn't have this i didn't have that and he says i'm not even adopted and i was shocked that this can happen in this day and age by a genuine superstar who who agrees to deliver such a dialogue saying that i am not even adopted as if it's a curse or it's a it's a tragedy or travesty that has fallen upon him and, and nobody makes any halabu about that when we started our adoption process we too wanted to choose a child under a certain age group because we believed that it may be difficult to bond with an older child many also want children who look like them match their skin tone what this means in absolute numbers is that over 80% of parents choose to adopt from this category of 0 to 2 indirectly stigmatizing older children and those with special needs both these are categories of children we considered but were not confident enough to adopt because of varied reasons like bonding lack of proper knowledge facilities for people with special needs see how stigma is a full circle nishank heads india's first e group for prospective adoptive parents and adoptive families called people's group for child adoption in india this is a google group with over 2000 members and over 1800 in a vibrant facebook group the group also meets offline periodically in delhi Nishank's group was our first stop when we had decided to adopt and had questions. Just reading the discussions often gave us invaluable insights into what was to come. We spoke to Nishank about the group and how he feels it has helped tackle stigma. Uh, some of us very strongly felt that uh, this whole Facebook group has been helpful in at least breaking the taboo around adoption, the stigma around it. that it should not be a hush-hush thing that people should be more vocal about it what they are doing it's nothing wrong they are doing so at least in that way facebook has indeed play a more catalyst role and uh, somewhere the adoption meets have also helped uh, in big way i think the whole uh, this community thing evolves from the fact that you can relate to some people some people come out more forward to help you out which also gives you that emotional support which i, I don't think an uh, a specialized adoption uh, service can uh, provide you that so uh, i feel that these kind of support groups at least helps you to say connect with a few people if not hundreds of them at least five or six or even a couple of them and and that really helps you in carrying forward your adoption journey 
Like Nishank says, the onus of sensitizing people belongs to each one of us. We only hope that you, our listeners, will take some part of the episode forward and hold open conversations about adoption and normalize it. We don't want to be praised and we definitely don't want to be shamed. And we ask for this for the sake of our children. As discussed earlier, mass media does not educate people about the adoption process. In fact, it has further propagated the myth that you can simply pick up a child who has been abandoned off the road or off a trash bin and take them home. This is not the case. There is a legal process to follow and laws that regulate adoption. In the upcoming episode, we will bring to you an interview with Colonel Deepak Kumar, CEO of Kara. We are touched by the response we received from many of you and thank you all for the support. We received a lot of messages on Facebook, WhatsApp and other social media. And this is what one of the listeners, Suganda, had to say. The moment when Rakesh said that when they asked their father's name in the hospital and without hesitation I gave mine, I don't know, I cried again. I am an emotional wreck right now. Interviews are nice. It is nice to, you know, hear people talk directly from heart. Starting this week, we are collaborating with The Logical Indian on a series of articles on adoption. If you would like to contribute, please send them to hello at sunoindia.com. You can also reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. As independent producers, we rely a lot on you to spread the word. If you like our podcast, please take time and let your friends and family know about it. Also, don't forget to use the hashtag Diopari. We would like to thank Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for original music, Priyanka Kumar for artwork, Tarun Nirvan, our digital lead, and Kunika Balhotra, our communication officer, for their support. <laughs>